Hello, Miami. I am Will, and you are listening to 305 Sports Now, your home podcast for all the best coverage in all things related to Miami sports. And it was a very disappointing weekend. And the sound you just heard, courtesy of ESPN, was uh, the missed field goal by Andy Borgales, which pretty much gave the Miami Hurricanes their third defeat of the season and their first loss in ACC play. But before I get into the Hurricanes, which I'm going to go more extensively about, I'm also going to cover the Dolphins and even go a bit over the Shula Bowl as well, where FIU was crushed by FAU right over there in Boca. The first thing I do want to talk about is the Miami Dolphins. All right, the Miami Dolphins suffered another loss at the hands of now the Indianapolis Colts, who were actually winless in the game. All right, so if there was an opportunity for the Miami Dolphins, right, to get a victory, it would be it would have been this past Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. Right, and once again, playing in the Miami Dolphins were was their scoring, their inept offense continued to be shown. Today, Carson Wentz came into the game, 24 of 32, 228, two touchdowns, sacked twice in this ball game. Jacoby Brissett was 20 for 30, 199, two touchdowns, and he was sacked three times as well. But once again, the short passing game and the lack of going downfield really hurt this football team. The offense didn't wake up a little bit until pretty much the end of the game in the fourth quarter. All right. And even though the Miami Dolphins defense was, uh, was still pretty good today, all right? It's not as, it hasn't proven itself to be as elite as it was last year, all right? But the turnover, uh, the turnover trend has still continued as Miami Dolphins got another turnover today as the Colts muffed a punt and they were able to get recovery, which got them their first score of the game, which was a field goal once again by Jason Sanders. However, the Dolphins did allow the Indianapolis Colts their first 100-yard rusher of the year and former Wisconsin tailback Jonathan Taylor went 16 for 103, averaging six yards per carry with one touchdown running the football, All right? So some uh, some highlights on offense for the Dolphins. Uh, pretty much the running game was putrid, but some highlights of the Dolphins was Jacoby Brissett at least getting two touchdowns on the board for the Fins. But uh, Devontae Parker with four catches, 77 yards, and one touchdown. Gasecki got into the mix a bit with one touchdown as well. Jalen Waddle, all right, uh, once again, who was brought in here to stretch the field. Again, only three uh, receptions for 33 yards, averaging... 11 yards per reception. So the Miami Dolphins, once again, the offensive line uh, was a bit um, was a bit suspect. Jacoby Brissett, uh, the reason why it was only three sacks because Jacoby Brissett was able to get out of trouble as uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick did last year and Tua a couple times this year as well. But the offensive line continues uh, to struggle right, against the Colts. They struggled as well. Although uh, they were able to hold them off early on, uh, especially the first drive of the first quarter, they were not able to maintain themselves as, again, three sacks as well. And the running game was nowhere to be found, right? Malcolm Brown, eight carries, 23 yards, was horrific. As long as rushing yard was four yards, right? Four yards rushing for the top tailback of the Miami Dolphins. That is horrific and unacceptable for a, for a team that was supposed to be better this year, offensively speaking. Right, the Miami Dolphins in games against the Pats, Bills, Raiders, and Colts, they've scored 17, 0, 28, and 17 once again. And the Dolphins are 0 2 at home. All right, home is no longer a safe haven for this football team, not just for the Dolphins, but even for the Miami Hurricanes as well, as we saw Thursday night against the Virginia Cavaliers. This cannot continue because if the Miami next week, the Miami Dolphins face the Bucks, right, and they face Tom Brady and that stout. Tampa Bay defense, that prolific 
Tampa Bay offense. The Miami Dolphins will not uh, will not be in the game at all if they can't put points to the board against you know basically probably the best, one of the best offenses and defenses in this league today as well. This league, ladies and gentlemen, is made for you to have points. All right, uh, the quarterback is completely protected, and wide receivers are have a bit more leeway to go downfield and stretch the field. So there, there should be more points on the board. Miami Dolphins are not scoring points, and that is going to be uh, very difficult for uh, for that to continue. The, they're expected to be at least a playoff contender this year, and it's not looking that way so far this season as the Dolphins are completely struggling on the uh, offensive side of the ball. Defense has held its own. All right, the defense. Some of the Colts' points were in precarious positions. Okay, that Jakeem Grant, forgive me, fumbles the punt, all right, which allowed the Colts great field position as well, which allowed them to score a touchdown. And the, and the defense is, is on the field quite a bit, looking at the team stats right now. I'm going to go over uh, exactly how each team matched up in terms of, uh, of play, all right. Um, total plays for the Colts, 67 to Miami's, only 49, all right. Trying to see if I can find time possession. The Dolphins held the ball for 22 minutes. Well, actually, almost 23. And the Indianapolis Colts held it for a little over 37 minutes. Right, so Miami Dolphins have got to be able to maintain the ball a little bit more. If not, they're going to put their defense in a position where they don't want to be in every single game. And eventually, that's going to lead to some frustration as well. Total yards in the game are 349 for the Colts. Miami only 203. Horrific, pathetic, disgusting, unacceptable for a team that looks to make the playoffs this year. Okay, so one of the things I really want to go over is the main the main facts that they're just not pushing the ball once they get down the field. They have got to take chances, all right? Say what you want about Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is a journeyman, and unfortunately, he's injured for the Washington football team this year. But one thing about, about Fitzy is that he had fun out there, and he always decided to give his receivers an opportunity to make a catch. The Miami Dolphins would have challenged these uh, Colts receivers. They would have challenged, all right, the Buffalo Bills DBs, they would have challenged the Patriots DBs as well if Fitzpatrick was quarterback in the Miami Dolphins. He's not afraid to take chances. He gets picked, all right? Let's face it. Fitzpatrick did throw quite a few interceptions every so often, but many of his interceptions were going deep, all right? He never gave up the stupid pick going down the flat or on a slant route. It was always going deep on a post, even a fly, pound, or go route, and that's pretty much what we saw Fitzpatrick make his mistakes, all right? Never so much in the short yard situation. Jacob Brissett also, in many cases, to give the offensive line a break, held the ball for a bit too long. That ball's got to come out quicker, right? The fumble that uh, that led to another touchdown by the by the Colts, or at least another score, right, by the Indianapolis Colts. Jacoby held that ball too long, right? You got to throw that ball away, right? Throw the ball away, throw it up for grabs, you know. Use Devontae Parker. He's huge. Use Gasecki. He's a big target, right? Give him opportunities to make plays. Parker and Gasecki present a mismatch for most defensive players in this league Kaseki with a linebacker on him or even a strong safety okay and also Devontae Parker and his length and height present a uh, a difficulty for most cornerbacks that's why Fitzpatrick always threw to him last year that's why his numbers with Fitzpatrick were much better than they are with Tua and Brissett this season because Fitzpatrick targeted him on a regular basis and did not mind throwing the ball for grabs he comes down with it he comes down with it. If he doesn't come down with it, it's like a punt, all right? Pin him back. Defense takes over, not in a bad position. No fumbles near, near your red zone, right? So Fitzy, I miss Fitzy, right? I like Fitzy. Fitzy's fun. Ryan Fitzpatrick is fun, okay? He was a fun player for us. Uh, I know 
We had a transition. He's a stopgap player. He knows that. He's also a bit long in the tooth for being a football player. All right. But in terms of driving the ball down the field, Fitzpatrick had no issues doing that. And one thing, I'm really sorry to say this, as much as I still like Coach Flo, I still like the defense, the way it's going, and I still have confidence in this football team. I do believe in general that um, that two-coordinator system that the Dolphins are going with sucks. All right. It's terrible. It doesn't make any sense. I don't like it. Most of the fans don't like it. Most of the fans were scratching their heads. All right. They should have gotten Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey all but begged for this job. All right. From what I, from little tidbits I've heard here and there from the online world and even, and even, even in radio, right? I listen to a lot of talk radio as well. And listen to what some of my colleagues in the media like to say. And Ken Dorsey wanted this job. He's very popular here in South Florida. He would have been a wonderful hire. He's, he's helped out. Um, various quarterbacks. He made Josh Allen a better quarterback. He made Cam Newton an MVP. Bring him over. Give him a chance to be an OC. See what he could do. All right. Well, likely you're not going to have the two coordinator system. It's not working. Bring him over. Give him a chance to to be the quarterback coach and also be the offensive coordinator for this football team. And I guarantee you, more than likely, you're going to see better success because Ken Dorsey is a very intelligent football player. It was like having a coach out there in the field when you play for the Canes. All right. So I do firmly believe that Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm sorry, that Ken Dorsey would have been a suitable replacement for Chan Gailey, who was, let's face it, probably didn't trust Tua too much. And all the time has passed him, and the NFL has changed a bit. So I do believe that we should have had Ken Dorsey as our OC. You got to get rid of the two coordinator system. You also can have a revolving door of offensive coordinators. Like we had Chad O'Shea the first year. We have Chan Gailey. Now we have two coordinators with names I can't even remember, right, as well. One guy. One voice, one mind, one philosophy. All right. And that's the way it should be. All right. And in and, and the NFL, two corners, two heads are not better than one. You need one brain. All right. One vision, one style. And you got to roll with it. Okay. The Miami Dolphins face the Tampa Bay Bucks next week. They face pretty much probably the greatest quarterback. I'm sorry. Not probably the greatest quarterback of all time. You got to come with your A game. Defense has got to be stout. You got to put points up on that board. If not, this Tampa Bay Buck defense will slaughter you, right? If Brissett went down three times this week, he'll go down five times next week. The offense will be one and four. What are your playoff chances now? No, no, no. This team is too good. There's too much talent at the skill position. Although I, although we should have gotten a, uh, a top-tier running back in the draft, but nonetheless, it's good enough to get you in the playoffs. The skill positions on this team are some of the best in the league. You have Mike Gusecki. Right, Jalen Waddle is you know is a fantastic wide receiver. You can already tell he's very sure-handed. A couple of drops this year, but it's very for the most part very sure-handed. You have Devontae Parker as well. Got Wolf Fuller was a burner. This team should be better. This team should be averaging more than than a little than 20 points a game. It's horrible. Or less than 20 points a game. It's horrible. It needs something needs to be done. Something needs to be done. Adjustments have to be made. You're one and three. Take a chance. Go downfield. I don't know. Flea flicker every so often, or do some trick plays. You should use them next week. You're, you're playing as the defending Super Bowl champions. Who's gonna blame you? You're on the road. Go for it. Flo, you gotta be aggressive. You gotta be aggressive. All right. You gotta do it. It's like I said. His team is better, and his team could upset the Bucks. All right in Tampa. And as of right now, that's my take for the Dolphins. 
I know it's short and sweet, right? Not much. Uh, I didn't say much, but I can't keep regurgitating the same things over and over again. Miami has got to be more aggressive on offense. All right. They've got to be better. They've got to be better. If not, it's gonna be a long season, a very long season. And once again, I do think we need to make a change at OC. None of this two OC crap. Get one OC. Next year, get one OC. Stick with that philosophy. We can't keep changing. Listen, I had no issues with Chad O'Shea. We got rid of him because supposedly his playbook was too complicated. It's the New England playbook. We're playing a New England style of defense. What's so complicated? These guys are professionals. Some of them came from D1 schools. Some of them played in national cha- that played in a national championship. What was so complicated about Chad O'Shea's system? So my formation, offset eye, you had a fullback? What? What was so complicated? They had to fire the guy. They weren't that bad with him. Then you bring in Chad Gittle, who's 68 years old. Probably didn't want to coach anymore. One year, resigns. So you bring two guys? But you could have got one guy that would have taken the job? A young guy? Could relate to the players? Has had success, you know, making MVP, MVP caliber quarterbacks? Resurrected Josh Allen's career? When people thought he was, was going to be a bust? Who's inaccurate? Only a, only a star arm was athletic? Swallow this team. Defense, listen, I believe in the defense. I believe in the two guys we've got at corners. I believe in our linebackers. I believe in our defensive tackles. And I don't think Christian Wilkins was a bust. I think he's a solid player. We just don't see because he plays D-line. He plays the tackle position. Not a very sexy position, but you need those guys. And when he's had an opportunity, he's been successful. But an offense, come on. Change your game up. Get a guy. Get a young guy. Get Ken Dorsey or somebody else that fits that mold and ride with them. None of this 2OC crap. It doesn't work. It sucks. It needs to change. Come on. All right, for that, that's, that's my take on the Dolphins. Okay. Now I'm going to go into the Miami Hurricanes. And um, I'm going to tell you as a Hurricanes fan, Thursday night really hurt. I mean, Thursday night was, for me as a Canes fan, I've been a Miami Hurricanes fan since I was about, I would say, five years old, maybe maybe or five or seven years old. But that loss really did sting because we should have won that football game. Uh, a buddy of mine at work says that the Miami Hurricanes are cursed and starting to believe it. Obviously, I'm kidding. But I'm really starting to believe it. I mean, just my take on the game itself. I'm going to go over the game. And I'm going to break down the whole fire Manny Diaz movement that's really, really picked up traction, not just in the online world, but also some uh, commentators are calling for his head and an overhaul of the system. And I'm going to give my take on it. And, and whatever you guys think, you know, over there uh, in the 305 Miami or wherever your Kings fans, you know, we even have an audience in Germany. Uh, I, just, I just found out, which I think is pretty cool. Um, that's fine. It's your perspective, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk about what I think about Manny Diaz in, in general and what I hope to see the rest of this season, you know, and also I'm going to break down a little bit, the UNC matchup, but I'm going to go further into it next week since the Kings do have a buy and I could spend a little bit more time just on UNC alone. But I do believe early on in the game, Tyler Van Dyke, he went 15 for 29 in the game with 203 yards passing, you know, one touchdown pass and general beautiful ball, a beautiful ball, ball at the end of the edge of the end zone to, Mike Harley. Um, but I do want to say that I do believe early on in the game, uh, Van Dyke, who was starting for the injured Derek King, was a bit nervous. I do believe there were some jitters. I think he missed a little bit on his targets early on. 
I don't think also the offensive line helped. This was a, uh, a whole, a whole different game, you know, in particular, because Van Dyke is not the athlete that Dear King is. He's not the athlete that Jay Garcia is. And on top of that, Jay Garcia gets hurt, right? He got hurt in the, basically in the central Connecticut game. He actually was hurt a little bit, I believe in spring training. So I'm a bit worried about um, J13 and so on when it comes to being injury prone, but TBD, you know, took it in the chin like a champ. All right. He was courageous. Uh, he really did play his heart out. The whole team played their heart out. There was a belief that maybe this team quit on Manny Diaz. That's why I believe the Central Connecticut game was very important because it gave the chance, the Kings a chance to regroup and show what they could do on offense when they're given opportunities to, to be put in the positions to win. You know, as well, I was happy to see Jalen Knighton come back, although his uh, um, he had 15, he was 15 carries or 44 yards, only averaging a little under three yards per carry. Uh, he, he was uh, he was impactful in the game as well with his speed, you know, as well. So I do think it was important. The reason why I say that, I do believe some some throws that TBD did short hop. And one of them was a wheel route to to Jalen Light. And that could have gone for a first down, you know, during this, this uh, during the football game. Um, I will uh, I will go over a few things, you know, regarding the game as well. The defense, they were OK. This football game, they tackled a little better. Then they did against Michigan State, they did against App State, they did, and they did against Alabama as well. But still, when Miami would answer with a touchdown, they happened to not respond accordingly. All right, they they gave up points when they shouldn't have given up points. That touchdown, though, that that basically that ball that bounced off the butt of the receiver of um, of Virginia. Okay, I believe that that uh, that yeah to, uh, to to I can't say his name. Forgive me. Dontavion Wicks, the one that bounced off his butt, that Marcus, we thought that Marcus Clarkson was going to get the interception or James Williams will, will bat the ball down. It just happened to bounce at the right time, right place, and allowed Virginia to get the to get their 30th point and so on in that game. You know, that was a difficult situation for the Miami Hurricanes because they would have gotten a stop in that game if they would have just gotten the pick or knocked that ball down and allowed Virginia once again to get another score on their board. So whenever Miami did respond offensively, and they really didn't pick things up until late in the third quarter and in that one touchdown in the fourth in general, they, uh, Virginia responded. All right. Um, and that's pretty much uh, what the game was again, drop balls didn't help, right. You had a drop off by Charleston Rambo. You had a drop by by Romello Brinson as well in the game that didn't, that didn't help this, uh, this football team. He didn't have a reception in this game at all. Okay. You had Will Mallory. Once again, only one reception for zero yards. Uh, Charleston Rambo had a really solid game. Didn't get in the end zone, but five catches for 99 yards. Mark Harley had that one touchdown as well. Xavier Restrepo had a great catch. That led from having uh, 45 yards. So the offense, you know, towards the second half, they click. Now, my perspective, although I understand the call, the one that led to the safety, that led to the 9-0 lead by the Cavaliers, although I understand the call by trying to go up the middle, I'm going to say the same thing that uh that i said regarding you know on basically at the one yard line you know on fourth and one i believe it was against alabama going for it being five yards uh, basically being in shotgun all right you should never be that close to your end zone all right in a shotgun position in my opinion it allows the defense to adjust so when that ball was given to cam harris they know you're going to run all right they know you're going to run that football so therefore, they're going to stack the box and they're going to come after you. And Cam Harris was stopped. My opinion, be under center, hand the ball off close to the tailback or do a quarterback sneak and give yourself some breathing room. 
The reason why Cam Harris went down, there was no breathing room. It allowed the defense to come in, run blitz, and take out Cam Harris, therefore giving it a 9 nothing lead, all right? And that, and that was a major issue. Mike Harley scores to end the, to end the second quarter, all right? UVA returns the favor. The defense, and also in many cases, did not stop UVA when the opportunity came for them to be stopped, all right? One thing about Rhett Lashley's offense, okay? Again, I have no issues with Lashley. He's getting burned online for his play calling. I understand. My issue with Rhett Lashley is the tempo of the play calling. It needs to be faster, all right? Rhett Lashley's system is simple. It's not a tough system, all right, to get. It's a basically you put your skill, your skill position players in place, in space to make plays. The problem is the defense has to try to adjust to that kind of speed, right, which is the air rate offense with a bit of run power, RPO that Red Lashley brought from SMU and which he had at Auburn, all right, in particular. Can he be a little pass happy at times? Yes, all right, and that was a major issue that Red had with Gus Malzahn. He wanted to throw it more. Malzahn wanted to maintain more of a stable running game. Miami has some solid backs. They have Jalen Knighton. Cam Harris showed that when he's given opportunity and you give him a hole, he could take off, right? That was a great 57-yard touchdown run. Really shifted momentum for the Canes, okay? And that's something that needs to be utilized. Miami was able to score on that drive led by Cam Harris because they went basically into a two-minute offense with no huddle of tempo. When Miami, again, scored on the Tyler, on the Tyler Van Dyke 24-yard uh, touchdown run, it was up-tempo. When TVD put him in the position to win, all right, in that missed field goal, all right, it was, again, a bit more speed and being more up-tempo, right? So this offense has got to be faster, especially when your offensive line sucks, all right? I'm sorry. I'm not trying to rip college kids in particular, but there's something wrong that this line doesn't block well, all right? It, it, it basically killed uh, De'Ara King, all right, in particular, not literally killed, but, you know, he got hurt, all right? And Tyler Van Dyke went down a couple times when he shouldn't have gone down, okay? There's one part where DJ Scaife missed his block, all right? Literally whiffed, and TVD paid for it. TVD is a pure pocket passer. He's not the most mobile guy. Yes, he got a 24-yard touchdown run, but I think he himself was surprised that that happened, all right? So the line play needs to get better. But once again, also, one more thing. If it progresses, if the opportunity comes, TVD has a heck of an arm. He's actually, I think he's a better arm than Derek King, to be honest with you. Derek uh, King is just more athletic. All right, push that ball down the field. Give your playmakers a chance to get that football. Get the guys like Charles and Rambo a chance to get that football. If it's one-on-one -on -one coverage, let Restrepo eat. All right, let Brimson eat. All right, as well. Okay, let Harley eat. That fade route into the end zone was beautiful. Okay. TVD's got an arm, and he's pretty accurate with it as well. So it's Jake Garcia. And we're going to get into the younger guys of the Canes in about, uh, about a few seconds. But they put him in a position to win, right? Now, a lot of pundits have said uh, that sports world, they got everybody's an armchair quarterback that whether Miami should have gone for the throat and scored that touchdown. I have no issues with Manny Diaz did. I understand a touchdown makes it for Virginia to have to score a touchdown. But, you know, anything could happen in this football game. It's been an odd football game. And Andy Borgales usually makes those kicks. All right. That's why he was a top recruited kicker in the state. His brother was automatic from that. It was, a, it was basically an extra point. 
All right. The people say, well, you put a freshman in a very tough position. It, listen, he got a scholarship to go to the U. He's in a power five school. And I'm not blaming the kid at all. All right. I don't blame. I don't attack college kids, you know, in particular. But the people that are saying that, oh, he's just a freshman. Listen, he understood that when he took that scholarship. All right. His brother was a sensational kicker for FIU and for the University of Miami last year when he basically took the job from Bubba Baxa, who basically could never hit that kick. Andy Borgales is going to be fine. But, but if you're saying that, oh, he's just a freshman, you sign up at the U, all right? When he said, you sign up at the U to make those kicks, okay? And Manny, and Manny Diaz, in general, thought that by milking the clock, they tried to run, so it didn't work out. They tried scoring a touchdown, we don't know. Whatever Manny Diaz says, I don't, I don't know. But the bottom line is that Andy should have made that kick, all right? It should have been straight line drive. There's barely a win. He should have made that kick. And I think if push comes to shove, as he matures, he's going to make that kick again. My fear is that, you know, as a kicker, a lot of times kicker psyches are fragile. When they miss, when they miss some, they start to miss a bit more. But again, having Jose as his big brother, and from what I saw on social media, I think he understood his error, and he's just ready to kick another one again, all right, in particular. So that's, that's my take on that. I understand the perspective of, of going for the throat and scoring a touchdown. And with like a minute, maybe 90 seconds left, and you had a couple of timeouts, you know, giving, making, and Virginia had no timeouts, making Virginia beat you by, by going, having to go into the end zone, you know, but once again, you know, once again, who knows what will happen. It was an awkward night. It was a weird night, not making excuses, but it's the truth. All right. I'm sure Duke thought they had beat Miami a few years ago. And then you had Cornell there with that wild kickoff return, score a touchdown and they defeated Duke. All right. And about a few years ago, fans will remember this, I believe it was 1998. Um, the Canes were up against Penn State at home. I believe it was 23 to 20. And Ed Reed kind of misses assignment and Penn State beat us for literally a game-winning touchdown pass. That was that was on that was, I believe, on a wheel route or a go route. I don't remember very well. But nonetheless, you know, Ed Reed was caught out of position. It was one-on-one coverage. The one-on-one coverage was B. Penn State won that football game. So you never know. So putting yourself in a position where you don't give your your the opportunity to your opponent to make plays or kick one back. Or, or throw it into the end zone for a Hail Mary or whatever the case may be. I understand that call. I understand that call. If we make that kick, no one's talking, no one's talking smack. You'll get your few like, oh, it was only 31 points. We should have destroyed UVA. The bottom line is he makes that kick. Um, we're one and oh in the ACC. Deal with it. And we beat a power five school. Deal with it. Okay. Um, going, uh, going into the whole, the whole idea of, uh, first of all, we gotta, I have to talk about UVA, Brennan Armstrong played a really good game, Brennan Armstrong, 25 for 44, 268, or a touchdown and a pick, right? That was a great pick by the way, by Corey flag in that game as well. Dropped a couple of interceptions as well. He shot three interceptions. The Canes have cannot miss those opportunities. You've got to catch that football when it's up, when it, when it's up there in the air for you to grab that football, but Brennan Armstrong is a good quarterback. He proved it again with a touchdown. He led his team on several occasions. The running game as well was pretty, was pretty efficient for UVA. All right. I'm gonna look at the team stat. Look at the team stats right now, running the football UVA uh, ran the ball um, uh, 35 times. And uh, they had about 181 yards rushing for the ball game, 400, uh, 450 yards total for UVA, 372 for the Canes. All right. Time of possession also favored UVA as well. All right. So uh, on paper, UVA kind of dominated. Right, let's, let's be frank, but Miami still had a chance to win that football game. All right. And uh, I just want to discuss, a few, I just, 
going, just leaving the, the term of this game, you know, um, talk about this game. I do want to discuss the whole idea regarding Manny Diaz and what's going on right now is you have former players, you have alumni, and now you have, of course, the online world that, you know, thinks it could be the next coach of the Miami Hurricanes, pretty much wanting Manny Diaz to be fired. A report was recently released that they are going to give Manny Diaz a chance to finish out the season before the administration makes a decision. I do believe, barring that hell, all hell, and the buildings fall all over Manny, I do believe that's the right decision. Uh, it, it will release tension, okay, uh, amongst the coaching staff, amongst the players as well, that they will have their head coach for the season. It might make the players play better uh, from my perspective because they know that, you know, their heads don't have to be on a swivel if their coach is gone, right? So as long as the university gives their blessing, you know, that managers could stay for the, for the rest of the year, I'm sure if things go really bad, he will be gone because you just can't have that. Now, if they lose two more games, I don't think the university is going to let that happen. You're going to get too much from the fan base, the alumni, and the, and the trustees, et cetera. But the bottom line is, is that it's hard for me to criticize Manny Diaz. Number one, it's only his third season. Most coaches that lost their jobs had at least a recruiting class that they were able to somewhat develop. All right, Al Golden had about four or five seasons. He was able to develop a recruiting class, his first recruiting class. Randy Shannon was given four years. And when they lost to South Florida, that's when he was uh, removed, you know, from the head coaching position. Larry Coker, quotation marks, I'm near resigned, all right, in general. But people wanted Larry Coker's head when we were 10 and 2, all right, which is quite, uh, quite interesting, you know. And Larry Coker actually let go of staff, you know, to save his own job as well. But for me, as far as Manny Diaz goes, the two things that Mark Rick and and also Al Golden had was the fact they were stubborn head coaches. Mark Rick did not want to give up play calling duties and wouldn't fire his son, right? So he would not hire an OC. And then, of course, Al Golden was, was joined at the hip to Mike D'Onofrio, okay? He would not let go of Mike D'Onofrio. That was his friend, you know, in particular. So that's uh, – or Mark D'Onofrio uh, in particular. And that's why he lost his job. Miami's offense was pretty decent under, under offensive corner James Coley. We had a pretty good running game. Offensive line was okay. You had, you had some good quarterback play from Stephen Morris and then Brad Kaya. Brad Kaya has good years under Al Golden to the point that people thought he'd be a first-round pick, but that defense just sucked, all right? You played way too much zone. The team was never aggressive. You gave up. You tried keeping everything in front of you. You gave up too many yards, and that burned you. And that's why Al Golden is no longer uh, a head coach of the Canes and no longer a head coach at all, all right, to be exact. But Manny Diaz, at least Manny Diaz recognizes a problem and tries to change it, whether it's the transfer portal, which is a whole other issue, which means you're not developing your players, that your best players are coming from other schools, right? That's, that's, that's a problem in and of itself, all right? But even within his own staff, all right, there, there's been change. You had, again, Dan Enos being removed as OC, all right? You bring in Rhett Lashley. Everybody was all about Rhett Lashley. Oh, that air raid. Oh, he averaged 40 points. Oh, he averaged 34 points last year as a football team. You know, in general, now Red Lashley sucks. I don't think he sucks. I really don't. I do think that he could be a little bit more creative with his play calling. And I do believe he could speed up the play calling a little bit more. But I don't think he sucks. You don't just go from winning a national championship, averaging 40 points a game as the OC at, uh, at SMU, averaging 34 points this past year, okay? And now you stink. He brought in Travaris Robinson to be the uh, to be defensive backs coach. Travaris Robinson put guys in the NFL – Everybody wanted Travaris, all right? He comes to the U. So the university spent money on Travaris, 
all right, to be here. Not all of a sudden, Javaris can't coach. I mean, I mean, what do you guys, I mean, you guys out there, I, I mean, you're, you're entitled to your opinion. And I understand I'm a breakdown why you feel that way. I'm not, I'm not ignorant to what's going on either. All right. But the bottom line is, you know, Manny needs a, at least, at least maybe next year, unless the wheels completely fall off and the university has to make a decision. And there are some coaching, some coaching candidates that they could, that they could bring in with some experience. All right. As well. And the way the university is going, you might as well pay top dollar for, for a, a, a head coach with experience that's been successful because in the end, if they're not successful, the guys you hire on the cheap, you got to pay off their contracts. You paid off Al Golden. If you fire Manny Diaz, you got to pay him off. You paid off Randy Shannon, right, as well. So what are you going to do? Right, so, so, so what are you going to do? So the bottom line is, is Diaz does need a little bit more time. And one of the main reasons, and this is what I'm going to get to all you fire Manny Diaz people, I get you, all right? We haven't been a Power 5 school in a while, okay? Never been a Power Five school outside of the ACC in a while. Oklahoma State is uh, Oklahoma State is a Big Twelve team. We couldn't beat them. All right, we got shellacked by Alabama. We got shellacked by Michigan State. All right, and we lost a tough one to UVA. So we're not only losing, we're not only losing to teams like Alabama. We're also not beating outside of our own our own conference, and that's a major problem. Diaz is zero two in bowl games. That Louisiana Tech game should have been a victory, but again. You had an offense that was, uh, that was stagnant and anemic under Dan Enos, okay, as well. With Rhett Lashley, we probably would have won that game. I'm sure Rhett Lashley can muster 14 points. I'm sure. I think so. I believe so. I think he could have mustered at least 21 points to beat Louisiana Tech. Defense played well that game, all right? And I get the numbers, all right? I get the numbers as well. Our defense is giving up too many yards. Our, our defense is giving up too many touchdowns. Mine just only been five games. That number could drop. It could get better. The bye week might help. All right. But this whole thing about firing Manny Diaz is, you know, it's not good for our program. All right. It could cause uh, recruits to decommit losing as well, but it could cause recruits to decommit and Manny Diaz still has time, you know, to make this team better. Okay. Throughout the year, we'll have, we just have to wait and see what happens. All right. As well. Again, if the rails, literally fall off the train tracks, right? In particular, the university is going to have to make a decision, even if it is during the season, all right? Whether it's uh, making Rhett Lashley interim and Travars becomes DC, all right? And interim defensive coordinator, because he has experience. He was a DC over at South Carolina, but in case it be, but I'm hoping that this team could muster up some wins, all right? As well with, uh, with, um, with Manny Diaz at the helm where you have to root for Manny Diaz. He's a local guy as well. And it's not like he's inexperienced. He, he was mentored by some of the best coaches in college football, college football from Bobby Bowden to Mark Ricks to Mac Brown, even though him and Mac Brown are not friends, you know, in particular, but nonetheless, he was in Mac Brown's coaching staff at Texas, you know, and, te and Mac Brown is a national championship winning coach, even though he had Vince young, he did, he has won a championship as well and has put guys in the NFL and has produced good, good quarterbacks when he was head coaching at Texas. And Sam Howell is a darn good quarterback over at North Carolina. So everybody needs to put on the brakes a little bit, just let things play out. And if things go worse, uh, things get worse, then you could really ratchet it up. But the bottom line is it doesn't also look at that every three years we're exchanging coaches. All right. And for the university, if you are going to fire Manny Diaz and you're going to have to buy out his contract, you might as well spend money on a coach or get one of your trustees that's filthy rich 
get hell, get Dwayne Johnson. If you, uh, you know, to put in more money, what and name half the school after him if you have to, to get in a, a, a head coach that has been successful before and will stay here at the long term. And I'll go, you know, and that's something that needs needs to happen. So if you want Mario Cristobal, Dwayne, you have to beg Dwayne Johnson, man, <laughs> to like drop that cash because Nike is not letting him go. Although Cristobal suffered a very tough defeat in overtime against Stanford. All right. Um, he's not going anywhere. If you think Miami, oh, because it's his heart. And listen, man, he was assistant head coach in the Al Golden saving call. He was gone. And after what happened to him at FIU when he was wrongfully fired, he's not going to be loyal to university anymore. At least I don't think so. At least I don't think so. They want to get rid of you, they'll get rid of you. Yes, think about himself. So I don't see him leaving all that Oregon money. He's beloved over there in Oregon, in particular, just to come to Miami to try to rebuild the U, all right, in general. I mean, that could happen. I could be wrong. But that salary, what he's getting paid over there in Oregon, he's never going to be able to match that. Unless you get someone, like I said, like a, like a Dwayne The Rock Johnson to come in, who's practically a billionaire, and basically – Put in the money to get someone like a Mario, like a Mario Cristobal, but that's not happening. So you're better off looking at some coordinators with head coaching experience that have been successful, or a head coach that has done it before and has been successful. You know, maybe won a national championship, been close, put his teams in the playoffs. You know, in general. But the uh, the Facebook groups, you know, the Instagram groups, you know, every group in particular, the Twitter groups, you guys need to calm down. That is not good for our program. And some of you are in your 40s. Stop talk, Stop calling 18-year-old kids trash, all right? You wouldn't want your own son to be called that, all right? Stop calling these 18-year-old kids trash. You're in your 40s, right? You're older than, some of you are older than me. I'm 41. Come at the coach. I get it. You, you do. Come at the coordinators. Okay, that's your right. Leave the kids alone. I leave the kids alone. These kids are going to class and, and doing practice like at 5 a.m. in the morning. Leave the kids alone. All right. Um, like I said, next week, the Canes do have a buy. So I will break down the UNC game a little bit more. I'm going to break down UNC more in depth. All right. And Sam Howell as well. And uh, what that means for the Canes and what I think Miami should do to win this, uh, that football game in a couple of weeks, October 16th, which is, by the way, going to be at the University of North Carolina. All right. So, so stay tuned for that next week at here at 305 Sports. Now, as promised, I am going to break down the, the Shula Bowl just a tad bit. All right, I'm going to put out the stats. FIU just got murked. I was flat out murked and by Willie Taggart's, uh, by Willie Taggart's ball club. I mean, they were just flat out destroyed as they lost 58 to 21. All right, FIU was never in this game. All right, in particular, as a 27-point second quarter for the Owls dealt a, a, a deadly blow to any hopes the Golden Panthers had a chance to defeating the Owls of, of Florida Atlantic. Nicosi Perry had a very, very good football game. All right. Nicosi Perry seems more disciplined this year, too. 18 for 21, 329 with three touchdowns and no interceptions. All right. So Willie Tagger is getting the best out of Nicosi. All right. It's a fortunate for the University of Miami. He wasn't the guy, but he's the guy over at, at FAU. You got to be proud of him for, for doing so. And then Max Bortenschlager, 12 for 28, once again. Uh, quarterback for his quarterback percentage completion percentage is not the best in the world. Two touchdowns and a pick. Okay, and FIU's running game was held in check. All right, with uh, EJ Wilson with five carries for 
37 yards, but then their start tailback, Devontae Price, six in carries and only averaging a little over two yards a carry. All right, so down go the Golden Panthers. They'll have to regroup, all right, for their next football game. Next football game, you know, in general, okay, which will be, just looking at the numbers here, which will be, one second, as the Golden Panthers will be playing uh, the Charlotte 49ers uh, next week, okay? It'll be on the CBS Sports Network at 7 p.m. So let's hope FIU will be at home. All right, and uh, let's hope FIU can pull it off. Okay, let's hope that they get a little home cooking can uh, can help the Golden Panthers out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for me for Three or Five Sports. Now I am Will. If you like what you heard, please download this podcast at Anchor.fm, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If also you want to give a donation because this is a literally supported radio station, please uh, donate to Anchor.fm. Once again, I am Will. See you next week. Stay safe and God. Bless. Until next time, see you soon.